Welcome back, everybody, to the Baseball Dorks. I am your host, Fernando. This is episode eight. I'm joined by Nick, Jesse, and Ryan. Guys, we're a week into the season, finally. Um, It's been an interesting week so far to start. Um, A lot of interesting uh, pop-out guys who have been just smashing the ball left and right, some pitchers who have been throwing very well, some who we expected to do well who aren't, but I guess that's what you get for the first uh, full week of the season. A lot of... um, expectations a lot of uh uh people being too dramatic to some outcomes um nick your boy trout just hit another homer my gosh he's it, that, that's one thing we can depend on mike trout being great you love to see it he started and and it's it's crazy because he typically april is one of his coldest months um that he's had in his career so which is still like a top 20 player (laughs) right yeah top 10 player he usually heats up right around may so to see him uh producing this early in the season especially because i have him on my fantasy team is real promising yeah it's usually always around the end of the first month of the season when uh Colin Moran passes the best hitter in the league (laughs) torch to Mike Trout and then he just never returns back (laughs) I still am, speaking of like hot starts, my favorite of all time, I think, is Eric Thames. A few years back when he came oh, from Korea and signed with the Brewers, and he oh, was just yeah. mashing it. Everyone was like, Eric Thames is on steroids because he's just hitting so many homers. That was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> I remember he, he made, he made he comments. Like, he was like, like they, they can, me, but... Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. like, you guys can keep testing me all you want, you know, uh, for, uh, um, for PEDs, but that, that's what I'm doing. Uh, Ryan, I remember we went to watch a game live at, yeah. at Wrigley. Um, and he that. was just every at bat. Not only was he hitting, uh, getting base hits, but hard contact mm-hmm. base hits. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was really fun to watch. So we'll get a little, a little bit into that later on. Um, but to start, uh, so I remember back when spring training started, I was expecting a lot of injuries to co- to go down, a lot of them. And then there really weren't a ton of them up until the last week of spring training. And now that's carried on into the first week of the regular season. A ton of injury updates. Um, so instead of me just going through each one of them, I'm just going to pick uh, a couple to, to kind of touch on, and then I'll, I'll let you guys touch on some other ones. Um, some notable ones for me, uh, George Springer, uh, the big acquisition by the Toronto Blue Jays. He had an oblique strain and still does, uh, which was going to keep him out a little bit early into April. But now he suffered a right quad strain, which should keep him out uh, from uh, until about mid to late April. So it seems like the injuries keep piling up with George Springer. Uh, thankfully, they're not too uh, too upsetting. They're not too serious at the moment. Uh, but still, you know, definitely something to, to keep an eye on. Um, the Blue Jays just can't really seem to have any luck with a lot of the guys that they acquired this offseason, uh, including Kirby Yates. Um, but another guy I want to touch on, which is a, a little bit of a lesser-known name, Chaz Rowe. A shoulder strain, he'll be out for at least 12 weeks. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because they already have Nick Anderson out until at least July. Probably August is what I'm hearing. So if they lose another guy to that uh, of that stable of relievers, that's going to be really detrimental to the Rays. And uh, as we know, they're relying on a bunch of guys to contribute. And if a bunch of those guys start going down, 
uh, that's really going to hurt their game plan moving forward. Um, Jesse, of the guys who have gotten hurt in the last week or so, which, uh, which one or two st- uh, stand out to you? Uh, well, one that stands out is Fernando Tatis Jr. <laughs> um, wow. I've, yeah, that that one sucks. That was hard to watch too because he just t- like swung out of his shoes and then just hit the floor right away and was curled up and you could it came out that it was a slight labrum tear. I've had that. It's no fun. Uh, dislocated shoulder. It just seems very. It, his shoulder was kind of concerning him going into the season, and then it just like turned into this big injury um it's really kind of hard it's really going to depend on how long it takes for him to come back and if he's even going to be able to or even like be that effective when he's back uh this year so um our early season predictions of him winning mvp are now nothing and uh it's a shame because this is probably he's he's the face and the most type player of probably the most hyped team going into this year so it's really it's just bad for baseball honestly (laughs) another one that or what were you gonna say I was just gonna comment on Tatis a little more I heard that he was gonna try to come back in 10 days which I think is a little outlandish yeah Yeah. He, he shouldn't and I don't think he can I, I don't think it's going to happen tear. either, but like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like, luckily it's his left shoulder, so he'll still be able to throw, mm-hmm. but like his hitting is just going to not be where it needs to be for a while. Yeah, for sure. Uh, who's the other guy, Jesse? Oh, I was going to say James Paxton, who got mm. hurt immediately yeah. after going off all spring, and he's another very hyped guy, and he got hurt immediately, and it's just the story of his life. Um, I think he needs to give the starting role uh, a kiss goodbye and become a closer potentially. Yep. Yeah. Report came out that he's likely going to have Tommy John um, to to fix whatever's going up in there. Yeah. So his season's probably over, which really ruins his homecoming to the Mariners. Um, Nick, who are some guys that you're uh, sad to see going down early? Um, The first I want to mention is uh, Tim Anderson. Uh, he, this was a couple of days ago against the angels. He was just running out of a, a ground ball, um, to first base. He's running to first base and pulled up right near the end. Uh, seems like just, uh, they say it's a hamstring strain, probably just, you know, pulled it. It's just really tight. Um, so there's no timetable, uh, but I, I can imagine he'll be sitting out. They want to be more cautious with him than not because he is a key fixture of that lineup. And uh, it's a long season, you know, and to see him go down this early, you need him to be healthy moving forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then the second guy I want to touch on is uh, Sir Mike Soroka who went down in the, his second start last season with a torn Achilles in his right heel, which sounds awful. I would never wish that on anyone. Um, but he actually, his return, I think he was slated for the end of April to return. And his uh, he's been delayed with shoulder inflammation, which, you know, it's good that it wasn't, related to his heel but shoulder inflammation is never good 
So we'll, we'll see, you know, they'll probably, they, they say they're shutting him down for two weeks, which could eventually, you know, turn into a month. So, you know, maybe they're slating early June, um, you know, and Atlanta can hold down the fort until he gets back. Yeah, they, they definitely need him to come back, uh, especially with how badly Atlanta's been struggling early on in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, that, that's definitely a big, a big shame right there. Um, Ryan, any guys you, you want to touch on? I guess I'll take someone that hasn't been talked about yet and go with Sixto. Um, we've talked about how the Marlins are probably the worst team in their division, so it's not like they would be contending with him either way, but just not being able to see him pitch. He was one of the guys I was most excited to watch this year. So just from a personal pleasure standpoint, I'm missing watching Sixto. Just because we got like a, what, like a four or five-star tease at the end of last year. Mm-hmm. So we were all so excited to see what he could do, and then now he's not out there. Yeah, I'm really bummed. He was, he was supposed to carry my rotation in fantasy. Yeah. At least it's not like a year-long <laughs> I was so mad or, uh... when you drafted him right before me. I was about to get him. I guess I got lucky. Yeah. Sweet. Um, I mean, obviously really sucks to see these injuries early on, and hopefully this isn't a continued um, trend throughout the rest of the year. But some other guys that I'm going to touch on real quick, uh, Cabrian Hayes, one of the uh, – arguably the only bright spot of the Pirates – uh, is out with left wrist inflammation. Um, took a hard hack at a um, at a ball, and then his wrist kind of just gave out there. Uh, no timetable, but he shouldn't be out for too long, thankfully. Uh, Cattell Marte has a hamstring strain. Um, initially, it didn't seem like they were going to uh, uh, that that he was going to miss too much time. Um, there were early rumors that it was just a cramp, but turns out that it's uh, it was enough to put him on the ten day IL. So it, that lo- means it's a little bit more serious than we thought. And then Trevor Rosenthal. Uh, of the Oakland A's um, has to have, how you pronounce that? Thoracic? Thoracic. Thoracic. Yeah. Uh, Which is going to be at least a 12-week recovery there. So um, big blow for the A's who lost out on Liam Hendricks. Uh, Yeah, but wait, can I comment on that one real quick? Yeah, for sure. Because when we talked about the, when we were doing our season preview and talked about the AL West um, and we were talking about the A's, that was my main concern with them and what they were kind of doing with their payroll because they really didn't do much all off season. They always have a bottom five payroll. And then they gave Trevor Rosenthal, who two years ago was nothing, couldn't throw strikes and had an ERA in the double digits. They gave him 11 million based off of a good 20 innings last year. It was a very strange move. He hasn't thrown a lot of innings recently, very short stretch of dominance for a team that doesn't spend a lot of money. And then now he's hurt. So that's a huge chunk of their payroll just tied up in the injured list now for a long time instead of where they could have spread that out over a bunch of positions. And I'm sure we'll talk about them more in a little bit, but they've gotten off to a rough start on top of that. Yep, definitely. Um, So, yeah, I always hate to see a lot of these guys, especially big name guys going down. Uh, There's just so many of them. And uh, the good news is that for most of them, it should be just short term uh, in um, time on the IL or maybe a lot of these guys won't even require an, an IL stint but we'd love to have them back sooner rather than later. Um, moving on, big news came out this week that the All-Star Game is being moved from Atlanta to Colorado due to recent Georgia laws that will restrict voter turnout. Um, so I've heard a lot of things that, uh, that it was pretty much saying that uh, Major League Baseball was pretty much being pressured to do this because a lot of players and a lot of um, front offices were going to uh, boycott the All-Star Game if it was going to be 
and Atlanta still. So it looks like the uh, the, front, um, the MLB front office just uh, came out in front and just instead of having to worry about uh, players opting out and potential backlash, they just decided to stop it in Atlanta and move it over to uh, what they just recently announced will be Coors Field in Denver, which will be great for, for me. I plan to be in Denver for the All-Star game this year, which will be super fun. Um, have you guys ever been to an All-Star game? Just curious. Mm-mm. I have no? I, I have one time. Which one? Um, 2009 in St. Louis, right okay. when they op- when they opened the brand new Bush Stadium. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. It's it, it's really cool. The game itself, um, being that it's meaningless, actually <laughs> gets a little dry uh, in the second half. But I mean, you like it's so cool getting to see so like so many of these players you only get to see on television and on your fantasy teams and watching yeah. them play. It's it's really cool. It's like a ultimate spring training where you, the starters only play a couple innings and then you get like a bunch of reserves after that, but except the reserves are all-star type players. Yeah, so. definitely. Something, something I would honestly rather do than go to the all-star game is be in the bleachers for a home run derby. Especially that, this year at Coors. That's going to yeah. be so much fun. Be, being in the bleachers Ugh. for a home run derby it has to just be like maybe the funnest baseball experience possible i can't picture something cooler than that outside of yeah. being at like a world series game exactly yeah I, I don't care how much tickets cost for the derby i'm going this year <laughs> you got yeah, you gotta gonna imagine that gonna they're gonna un- unplug the humidor you know just try <laughs> dry, dry up the baseballs let them fly let's see some bombs oh my gosh yeah. you see like a 550 awesome. foot homer <laughs> no yeah they should they should make like any home run that's 500 feet plus counts as like two or yeah. something like that Right. There's always some sort of like distance thing, or I think there has been recently. They added something. Hmm. Yeah. I think there's like a small trophy for the farthest home run or something like that. I, I don't know. Yeah. So, so, so don't get me wrong for, for entertainment purposes. Uh, this was a great move for the all-star game. Um, but I mean, the reason yeah. why this game was even moved in the first place, do you guys think, do you guys think it was a good idea for major league baseball to kind of get out in front of this early on and kind of get involved in a, uh, what's, turning out to be a political debate. Um, what, what are your guys' thoughts on this? Uh, it, I think it's, it's a fine line of uh, sports getting involved in politics, which is never a fun thing to talk about. But, um, I mean, if it's a, player, it's a player-driven movement, and honestly, like, after Georgia passes voter suppression laws and they're getting – punished for it losing out on about a hundred million dollars of revenue uh you know i i don't i I don't personally have a huge problem with it but it's just not a fun subject really (laughs) yeah for sure um so what major league baseball is continuing to, to do though is that they are going to move forward with their plans to invest in and support the atlanta community um which is what they were going to do what they'd always do whenever they um, uh, they go into another venue to to host or um, yeah to host the All Star Game. They they go into the community and they make a big difference right there. And they'll also continue to uh, honor Hank Aaron because uh, you know Hank Aaron was a big mainstay in the in the Braves organization. So they're still gonna, they're still going to do that, which is great. So a lot of the humanitarian work that Major League Baseball was going to do, they're still going to do anyways, and probably now uh, do the same thing in, in in the Denver area as well. Um, so yeah, uh, overall for entertainment purposes, great move. Uh, and uh, personally, I believe that this was a, a great move by, by Major League Baseball to get out in front of this and um, 
and make some noise, really. I mean, we've seen a lot of, of, the, of the other professional leagues in, in North America do similar uh, things as far as taking stances. Um, so, yeah, overall, uh, definitely pro moving the All-Star game to Colorado. Um, <laughs> something else that happened this week, uh, changing the subject a bit, Nick Castellanos gets suspended for two games after an altercation with Jake Woodford and then the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, so what happened? <laughs> Woodford hit Castellanos with a pitch in the fourth inning. Castellanos did not like that. He, I think he even picked up the ball and handed it back to Woodford um, as, a, as, as a weird flex. And then uh, later in the inning, Castellanos ends up coming around to score. And while Woodford is on the ground because he had to slide in to try to make a play, um, the Castellanos stands over him, flexes, and then walks away. But of course, that ensues a benches clearing what they're calling brawl. But they I, they use they use the term brawl too loosely. Um, yeah. So the end no result. punches were thrown. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, it, it, it was a minor scuffle, if you ask me. Um, just a, a bunch of words being tossed around, a few shoves here and there. Some players got fined, but Castellanos was the only one that ended up getting suspended. Um, which, so. I'll, I'll start off with this narrative here. Major League Baseball keeps on saying, let the kids play. They're trying to, you know, put this energy back into the game. They know the game's getting younger. They know that they're trying to, that, uh, um, that the players are trying to show emotion again. But whenever they do, um, a lot of times it ends up resulting in suspensions. And, I mean, look at Joe Kelly last season. Uh, for making that frowny face um, at the Dodgers, he got suspended for eight games. Um, like it's, it's, well, to be fair, he also threw the fastball at his head. Yeah, but still, but I agree. I agree, I agree with you games, on yeah. Castellanos. So, so you think the uh, the Kelly one should have been eight games? I think anyone that throws at someone's head should get a bunch of games. So. Was that on pur- Was I mean, I, I knew he threw it at him on purpose, but was it actually at his head or was it near? Well, I don't. I yeah, I don't know if it was exactly at his head, but just throwing it was a behind ball, his head. Yeah, okay. anywhere that's like really close, I think should be a bunch of games. That's fair. Really, anything else in terms of like letting that people play, I'm all good with. But anything that could kill somebody or end a career or even just majorly injure someone, like Stanton when he got hit in the face, mm-hmm. or McCutcheon when the Pirates were good, was out during the pennant stretch because he got hit. Um, from retaliation by the Diamondbacks. So there's been actual instances of this like impacting players and teams. And I, yeah. and I think that's the key here. Castellanos didn't do anything. He stood over yeah, the like pitcher this, this and taunted him. And I'm pretty sure he got ejected from the game, right? So, uh, yeah, he did. He, and he did. So that's punishment enough. You know, it, maybe if he threw a punch and, you know, decked someone in the face, yeah, okay, two games. But the fact that he got two games for doing pretty much nothing is a little ridiculous. And I think where the line should be drawn is is the retaliation. So, yeah, Cassianos gets ejected, but then we, you know, there shouldn't be any suspensions there. But if the Cardinals retaliate and, you know, intentionally hit someone on the Reds, that's where I think the suspensions should start happening. Um, But yeah, I, I, two games for doing nothing is, and you have the Astros getting off 
scot free for. <laughs> I had to. Br- I had to oh, bring them up. I had started. to bring yeah. them up. And, <laughs> and I and I and I agree with you, Nick. And Castellanos is just—he's always a, been a passionate player. Like he's going, like he's going to pimp a home run here and there in a in a high leverage situation. He makes a big play. He's gonna pump his chest, and he's competitive. He's probably gonna rub it in his opponent's face. Like, and it's it's the animation of sports that is just like the dumb unwritten rules of how that's so not allowed in baseball when it's embraced in every other sport pretty much it's it's just dumb I I, like people love to see passion in the players and a part of the reason why uh, baseball has a problem is because sometimes baseball can be very dry Um, so suspending Castellanos for doing something like that is just so dumb I think yeah, and you know you sorry i was just gonna say real quick that you know he would not have been suspended if the benches didn't clear so that's another thing that just is like really exactly dumb about it is they base it all off like what happens just like when someone gets injured by a hit by pitch then they'll suspend the guy longer or like if a if a slide injures someone then they'll suspend them longer it's all based on like the outcome rather than the intent and stuff like yeah. that yeah exactly and pretty much all this is going to do moving forward um is just make players think twice when they want to show emotion, which is not how it should be. It should just be natural. Um, you know, if, if it, 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 it was just a minor taunt that that's the thing. Like it wasn't like, um, like, like, like he shoved him or anything. It was just like a, a, a quick thing turned around afterwards, went back to the dugout, uh, like just, just didn't continue chirping from the dugout. It was just a, like a, a quick little split second thing and moved on. By and then they made up. And then yeah. they made up. He yeah. and Yachty had a conversation and like two grown, you know, two grown men <laughs> should have. And that was it. It shouldn't have been anything more than that. And the fact that MLB made it something more than that is, is why it's so ridiculous. Yeah, for sure. Um, something else happened today in the Mets game. We're, we're, we're moving on to the Mets real quick. But before I get into the, the topic I want to discuss, um, that hit by pitch by Conforto, my goodness, Just that awful. was awful. Um, so for that. those of you who didn't watch the game so today, it, it, it really was. Yeah. Um, uh, Michael Conforto was up with the bases loaded bottom of the ninth and, uh, he tie game tie game. Yeah, exactly. So a walk hit, whatever brings on the, the winning run for the Mets. And then, um, who was pitching? My goodness. It was, um, I had the name and I just forgot. Doesn't even, doesn't oh, well, even it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. think of it in a second. Yeah. Um, throws a ball. It was called a. Stri- it was about to be called a strike by the umpire. In fact, it was actually a strike in the strike zone. But Michael Conforto leaned in with his elbow ever so slightly, hit him, and uh, bottom line, Mets win the game. Marlins uh, tried to challenge it because uh, you can challenge hit by pitches, um, but it doesn't look like you can challenge uh, like uh, strike calls essentially. So they went back, looked at it. It did hit him but they could have easily called him out if, they, if there was clear evidence that, one, he tried not to get out of the way, or two, that he was intentionally leaning in, which he was doing both. Or that the pitch was actually in the strike zone. Which it, was in the, it was in the strike zone. Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. <laughs> you, you can see the umpire about to call strike three, and then he's like, oh, no, mm-hmm. it hit him. Yeah, it was a completely yeah. ridiculous way to end the game. And uh, shout out to the Mets broadcasting crew. Um, they were livid about it as well. So it shows you how impartial they are, which is great to see. Um, 
Ron Darling, I think Ron Darling is perhaps the most, uh, uh, the most honest broadcaster I've ever experienced in my life. Like no matter what, like, mm-hmm. even if the Mets are doing well and someone does a bogus, uh, 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 a stupid play, he'll call him out for it no matter what. I love it. He has no problem ripping the Mets. He does it no. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It is pretty funny. It's yeah. pretty easy too, but. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has been. Yeah. Um, but what I wanted to touch on was, uh, so we've seen a lot of big extensions going on over the last month or so. Um, the Mets were engaged in talks with Jacob deGrom about a potential extension. Now, there's no rush to really get deGrom li- uh, um, for, on, on a longer-term deal. He's already signed through 2024, but he can opt out after next season, after the 2022 season. He'll be making $36 million each year, this year and next. And if he decides not to opt out in 2023, he'll be making $30.5 million. And then thirty-two and a half million in twenty twenty-four. Um, he turns thirty-three in June, though. So by the time his contract is up, um, he'll but two be, years you know, sixty-two his... is what he would be opting out of, essentially. Uh, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah. Which by then he's opting be out into his age thirty-five season. Um, so, so I guess here's the thing: Would you guys extend Degrom longer than uh, the two years that are coming up? they're almost forced to, I think, because he's going to opt out unless something bad happens. I don't think they should feel pressured right now, but I think next offseason is when you feel that pressure with one more year to go before the opt-out. And as long as he looks healthy and still just as dominant, that he's on track to definitely opt out, then why would you not consider extending him? Because you're at least going to get, what, two to three more years of dominance and then probably a really good pitcher, even if his velocity falls off for a little bit. Well, we just said two years, $62 million is what he would be leaving on the table. He's worth a lot more than that on the open market, even in a year from now or two years from now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely agree. I mean, yeah, in many ways. And, like, we we discussed this last episode. He's the best pitcher in the league right now, and he's only been getting better recently. Like, he's he just keeps throwing harder every single year. It's unbelievable. Um, I, I think he's – I think the Mets are going to end up extending him uh, probably longer than they should. But honestly, if you like, they have, they have a clear three, four year window right now. So you got to make sure you have DeGrom for those three, four years, 100%. Even, even if, even if after that, he's kind of your overpaid older pitcher. But I mean, I think, Verlander was either 36 or 37 when he won Cy Young last. So, like, yeah, <laughs> it's not impossible pit- at all. So, yeah, some pitcher, some pitchers, specifically the best pitchers, tend to age just fine. Yeah, and if yeah. I if I'm th- if I'm thinking, you know, if I'm Steve Cohen um, or uh, the GM. I wonder what contract I'm thinking of extending him if I do plan I on extending. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It wouldn't be a mega deal. No, because you're, include, you're including the two years, you know, this year and next year, and then what, three or four years after that? I can't imagine more than four years. I think it would have to be at least four, though, because he already has two guaranteed in that contract if mm, he wants that's it. That's a so, good so point. Three, three does nothing for him. It would have to be four yeah, at least. Four or five. It's, prob- it's probably going to be like five. After this mm-hmm. year, they're probably going to be like a five-year so. crazy AAV's contract. From five, five one, or backloaded. Yeah. I was going to say five one fifty, but I, I think he might reject that. Oh, yeah. Five one seventy-five? 
something like that. Sure. There um, you go. I think the Mets will just kind of, kind of have to do it. Like Jesse, you were saying that if it ends up being a little bit too much of the back end, it's worth it because they have this core of players right now and they got to win and they need to, yeah. they need to grom. All right, moving on. Uh, a couple trades happened this week. It's really weird to see kind of these, uh, uh, some trades early on in the season. Um, some guys who have been struggling in their old environments are being uh, sent to a new team to hopefully give, uh, get some inspiration and uh, bottom line, just uh, get a new, a new environment around them. Uh, the first one we touched on last week, Rugnar Odor gets traded to the Yankees. Uh, so what the Rangers end up doing is they end up pretty much taking on the rest of his contract, the rest of the two years, 27 mil that was owed to him, almost everything. Uh, but in turn, they get two prospects, two outfield prospects from the Yankees, including a top 20 prospect. So they were able to turn um, a very struggling, uh, I almost said Lindor, Odor, and then turn them into two prospects, which could end up turning out big. I mean, yes, they had to pay 20, almost $27 million in order to get those guys, uh, but they were able to unload... Um, a very bad contract in order to acquire some potential future talent. Um, my, my first thought though, is like, where is he going to play? I, yeah. I mean, I, he can't be more than like a super utility guy. Yeah. Knowing, knowing the, the Yankees and their uh, injury, I don't want to say injury prone, but especially in this type of season, I, I keep saying that, but it never hurts to have more depth. And in a stadium like Yankee Stadium, I mean, Odor only does one thing, and that uh, that's hit home runs. So, I mean, he's I don't anticipate much, but, you know, put him in the right matchup, and I guess it could be okay. I was yeah, going to say – Just watch him turn into a stud now. <laughs> yeah, if, as bad as Odor is, if you're going to find the best stadium for him, it's obviously Yankee Stadium. So – like you said, and to get him the, the good matchups, whether it's pinch hitting or starting against certain right-handers and put him in there. Um, but, yeah, I guess why not if you're the Yankees? It's true. Personally, I'm a uh, big believer in the supernatural powers of facial hair uh, as, a, <laughs> as a baseball player. And I feel like I don't know if his beard, I don't know if his beard was the source of his powers or what was holding him back, but uh, seeing a beardless Odor is going to be something I've never seen before. I'm very interested to see him in a Yankee uniform with that, and uh, we'll see how that affects him. I don't have any actual takes about it. <laughs> wow, and I, I thought he was a small, I thought he was small, but he's five foot 11. He's bigger is, than I thought he was. Yeah, he's same. Bigger I, I thought, than I thought too. Yeah, I thought, I thought he was like he was five shorter. seven or five eight. Yeah, same. I was gonna say, you know, maybe he's got like the kind of like me. He's got a, a baby head, smaller head, and just shaving off the beard is gonna make it look even smaller. Yeah. But <laughs> I don't, I don't even, I don't even know what his face looks like. He, he has no idea. He, he wears he wears the big shades with a ton of eye black and the huge beard. Mm -hmm. You see, like, you see, like his lower cheekbone a little bit and i don't know anything else about what he looks like so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see his face for the first time stay yeah. tuned <laughs> stay tuned um another guy that ends up moving is orlando arcia uh the former brewer he was, he was supposed to be the shortstop of the future for the braves for, for the brewers but um he's been nothing but a disappointment except for the uh what was it when they the 20 17 NLCS 
mm-hmm. um, when he started hitting super well. Uh, almost got the Brewers to the to the World Series. But in the six seasons that Arcee has been the starting um, shortstop for the Brewers, only twice has he had a positive uh, <laughs> war. Like that is ridiculous. Wow. Four seasons even with the good negative. defense. It's, exactly, and that's what I was going to say. That he's an, considered an elite defender. Um, but the fact that his offense is so poor that it drags his total value mm-hmm. down into the negatives, that's pretty alarming. Uh, to just give you an idea, he's a career 74 WRC plus guy when league Oof. average is 100. Um, yeah, he's just been nothing but a disappointment. So hopefully sending him to Atlanta will help out there. Um, and uh, the best part is that the Brewers do get something in return. They get a couple of relief, relief pitching prospects in return. Uh, one of them might be the next Devin Williams or Josh Hader. Who knows? Uh, but uh, it looks like the Brewers will be sticking with Luis Urias for the time being at second base, um, which he made a pretty bad, big error today um, in the Cardinal Brewer game. So that, that, that's not a good look for him uh, moving forward. But um, any any thoughts on on Arcia or Odor before we move on? I have a couple quick thoughts on the RCN, just kind of those moves in general. I feel like one thing that's kind of that we haven't really talked about that much, I guess, is that the rosters are 26 men this year. So that makes a big difference in terms of teams carrying like these extra utility infielders or an extra whatever. And you can only have a certain amount of pitchers. So it's not like you can load up 16 pitchers on your roster or what, I mean, whatever you're going to do. It's obviously not that, but Um, So that's a reason why they can, you know, snag these extra infielders where in years past they might not. And then in terms of Arcia, I'm, for whatever reason, I don't know, I've never been a big fan of his. And obviously I'm not a scout, but he has a very like complicated swing where he like lifts his leg up and has like time. It's a very like, I don't know, choppy swing where um, the timing has to be like exactly perfect for him to be squaring up balls. So he's, you know, out on his front front foot a lot on breaking balls or late on fastballs. And that kept happening and people thought he would develop into at least a league average hitter. And that just never really happened with him. So like we said, even with the elite defense, he just never ended up being worth it. And as bad as Urias has looked so far, he's a a lot younger and at least has really good triple A numbers that the Brewers can, hope he turns into something. It was definitely time to move on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I was surprised that they didn't move on earlier from him. I feel like they give him too many opportunities to kind of get mm-hmm. it going, but um, oh well, it is what it is. Um, all right, moving forward. Um, we're bringing back a segment back from season one of Baseball Dorks, and that is Stay Cool or Panic. Um, Obviously, both after guys Chad are still Cole, in the league. Too. Both guys are still in league. Exactly. <laughs> just, just that? barely. They're barely in the yeah. league. They're still there. Where's Where's Panic at these days? He just got a double in Toronto. That was Joe Panic. I'm pretty sure. Right is now. that Joe? That's, yeah, that's Joe. Yeah, Panic. no, he's on yeah, he did. Yeah. What a, just, wow. I'm literally, <laughs> I literally have the game on in front of me, and I'm like, where is, <laughs> where is he? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Oh, the irony. That's really he's funny. A, he, I mean, he's always <laughs> been that kind of under-the-radar second baseman, though. Like, mm-hmm. he's okay to pretty good. And he's just, he's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. But, and you then know cool. what you're going to get at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then cool still with the Pirates? Yeah. Yeah. Started a few times this year. Has not been good, but he's at least still <laughs> yeah, in the league yeah. right now. That's for sure. He um, throws so, the ball. He does throw the ball. Yeah, he does. Yeah. He can still do that. 
Um, so what this segment is, is I will go through some pitchers, some hitters, and then some teams. And then I'll ask the panel, uh, should they stay cool or should they panic? Um, I'll start off with two pitchers. Uh, some guys who a couple years ago were just absolutely dominant to this year after some rocky starts. Madison Bumgarner, his Diamondbacks career has been nothing but a dump, um, for lack of a better word. Uh, he has been <laughs> worth negative 0.6 wins above replacement. <laughs> this season, in two starts, he's given up 11 earned runs, two homers, 15 hits, and five walks. Uh, it looks like whatever was going on last season, a lot of people were saying, oh, those were just, you know, it was like a, a shortened season, a weird year. Um, he'll turn it around this year and he'll carry our rotation. Uh, doesn't look like that so far. So, uh, Nick, I'll start with you. Should, should, uh, Matt, should we stay cool or should we panic about Mad Bum? Um, I'm going to say panic, um, especially if you're the, the Diamondbacks because you gave him <laughs> that pretty sizable contract and now you're stuck with him. Um, but I, the dude, his velocity is down from last year. I think he was touching 90, 91 last year and he's maxing out at 88, 89 this year. That's so, so bad. Oh his velocity is down. He can't he find the strike guy, zone. But 88? Jeez. It's, oh. it's really not looking good, especially, you know, through these two starts. I drafted him at the end of, <laughs> at the end of our fantasy draft, just in the off chance that he would be decent and I've dropped him. So that kind of explains my position. <laughs> and I dropped him. That, yeah. that is fair. So you I'm, clearly I'm panicked early at... on. Yes. Cool. Yeah. I mean, um, you, you... Go ahead. Go ahead, Jesse. Okay. I was going to say, I was going to say, I uh, am definitely on the panic side too. Um, if I'm the Diamondbacks and it's because like the one the one benefit of the doubt for him is his two starts were against San Diego and against the Rockies in Coors so neither of those are good matchups mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm sure he'll have a few quality starts here and there but like he's not going to live up to his contract not even close and they're stuck and they're stuck paying ace money to someone who's like a four or five starter so it's definitely they're not getting what they wanted out of him and they're not going to. So it's definitely safely in the panic spot for me. Yeah. You never want to like assume a guy just kind of, I don't want to say like stops trying because you can't stop trying and playing the MLB, but Bumgarner got his rings, got his contract, now lives in Arizona by his ranch. Does he still have that motivation to be one of the best pitchers in baseball? Like when he was playing with San Francisco, like, Maybe not. Maybe it's just physical, but you have to wonder about something like that. Maybe the the motivation just isn't there anymore. That's a really good point. Yeah. Mm. Um. My goodness, that's that's just such a sad story. I mean, it, it's not like he's that old. I mean, he's in uh what no. age thirty one season. Mm-hmm. And it's so weird too because so, sometimes you're like, oh, you want to bet on the guys with velo because they'll age better. But then I don't know. Look at someone like John Lester. Like he was good through his mid thirties or Cole Hamels or Zach Granke. There's tons of guys who succeed Maddox, without Velo. Or yeah, Lander. But then, well, but then there's, yeah. yeah. Then there's some guys who the minute they lose a tick, they're done. So I, I kind of wonder like, what's the difference between the guys that succeed when they lose their Velo and the guys that are just out of the league. 
Yeah. It's, it's um, gotta be, it's gotta be the million on some dollar level. Question. Yeah. It's gotta be on some level, like a command thing. Like if, sure. if you're like, if you're just re- re- relying on being a stuff guy, then you're eventually going to fall and crash hard. Um, mm-hmm. But if you truly learn to like pitch, if you embrace the whole art form of deception and be able to control your off speed and command it well, like, you can change you can change and adjust your game to being able to pitch effectively a little bit slower which many pl- players do bumgarner i don't think has much of a concept of that he's just always had the i'm going to throw this ball and you're not going to hit it approach and all of a sudden everyone's hitting it yeah i've always wondered how good teams are at that though like were there some teams that are just like bumgarner's not going to be good so we're not even going to sign him or do they just kind of hope that they kind of adjust as they go or figure out how to learn new pitches as they get older or tunnel their pitches better as they lose velo or whatever the solution is to their declining velocity as they age. It's, just a, it's a very interesting question because there is no like clear answer and teams are spending millions and millions of dollars to try to figure it out. Hmm. Yeah. And this, yeah. this next guy is also a guy that needs to make some adjustments. Max Scherzer. Uh, had his first start after a, uh, a delayed start to the season for the Nationals due to COVID protocols. But in his first start, yeah, he struck out nine, but he gave up four home runs. Uh, granted, they were all early on, and he seemed to have settled once the game started. But uh, if you look at last year, um, and I know some people want to discount last year's numbers, but uh, he wasn't as sharp as he usually is. So, I mean, and he's the guy who's uh, in his age 37 season. So is he really like we saw a bit of the decline start last year? What's that? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, thirty-seven. Um, like thirty-five. Yep, yep. Um, and he's on the last year of that seven-year, two hundred and ten million dollar deal, which is probably the best long-term contract I've seen in recent history. Yeah. Um, my goodness, Brown they got Lester. so much worth out of that. But uh, are you guys staying cool with Scherzer, or are you panicking a bit? Ryan, I'll start with you. I would say I'm definitely staying cool in terms of Scherzer being a really good pitcher, but I don't believe that he's one of the best couple in baseball anymore just because of the home run problem. And that's been something that has been an issue with him for the last few years. So obviously you just mentioned the four that he let up the other day, but this has been something that has been going on for a while. He'll still get the strikeouts and tons and tons of swings and misses because of all the different pitches he throws, the change of the slider, the curveball, fastball, they are all plus pitches. But sometimes he has a tendency to leave pitches over the middle of the plate and then they get absolutely clobbered. So obviously a big thing for Scherzer going forward, I think, is limiting both walks and singles and doubles as much as possible. Obviously you have less control over that, but you want those home runs to be solo home runs rather than two and three run homers. But yeah, I do think he's still going to be, I don't know, top 15, 20 pitcher in the league. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Nick, anything to add to that? Um, yeah, I, I think the key for Scherzer um, is going to be limiting his walks. If he can limit the damage uh, of the home runs to solo home runs, granted four is a little extensive, but um, if he if he can manage that, uh, I, I think he's going to be close to what he's been uh, for the past six years of his contract, which is phenomenal. So I, I think he'll still be great. I'm going to stay cool. All right. And Jesse, how about you? Saying cool or panicking? 
Yeah, I'll stay. I'll stay cool as well. Um, I wanted to think of a reason to be more panicked, but I mean, he checks so many boxes of like, it's only, it's only one start. So, and, and it was like off time. He was ready to pitch like three days earlier. So it's probably like just not his normal routine. Um, And I can't bash him off of that. Nothing was wrong with his velocity or anything like that. So, and it's early in the season. So, I mean, I got to get like, if he starts getting shelled, a couple starts in a row, then I'll start leaning towards the panic. But I, I, there's nothing that's scaring me that much. The ball just flies off the bat when Scherzer pitches. I don't get it. Like <laughs> he's like one of the right. best. He's one of the best swing and miss pitchers I've ever seen. But when someone does hit the ball, that thing goes 400 feet plus. It's the yeah. Verlander's thing. kind of like that too. Yeah, Verlander has tons of massive bombs, but he's also one of the best pitchers of all time. I want to ask you guys a question, and we, we don't have to dwell on it too much, but do you think there's a difference between throwing fast and throwing hard? Um, I'm not sure if this is what you're asking, but I think there's a difference. Be- or I, I guess I should say I think there's different types of like 99-mile-an-hour fastballs or 95-mile-an-hour fastballs. Like some One guy can throw 95, and it can be very hittable, and one guy can throw 95, and it can look – super super fast and be one of the best fastballs in the league like velocity isn't everything and a lot of it is just how the fastball plays so i I don't know if that's what you're asking but i do think that there's the same a a pitch going the same speed can look very different depending on how it's thrown i guess is what i'm trying to say and and i think for for me that's the key is how it's thrown but jesse what were you gonna say or I was just going to say, like, if you look at, like, Walker Bueller, he'll, like, it looks like every single ounce of his body is putting every single, like, possible muscle and all the strength he has into every pitch. Like, he's just throwing as hard as he possibly can, whereas DeGrom throws 100, and it looks so easy. Another, <laughs> and, it's another and it's another reason that why DeGrom is so dominant and why, like, his 100-mile-an-hour fastball is more effective than – pretty much any uh, other pitcher in the league is because he's so tall and long. It's actually like his release point is closer to home plate than almost any other pitcher in the league. So that makes his like hundred mile an hour fastball, just that much faster than someone else's hundred mile an hour fastball. So I guess that's another way of saying maybe throwing fast as if you can, throw I don't know if you have the extension to be able to throw a little closer to home plate at your release point something like that I don't know if that's a satisfactory answer at all no that that was quite comprehensive yeah I think that makes sense for sure good question yeah it's a good one um moving on to a couple hitters in fact a couple of shortstops uh so all went all winter long. We were raving about the upcoming shortstop class and how uh, absolutely stacked it's going to be this upcoming off season. But we have two guys in that class that are off to very rocky starts. Uh, see what I did there, Rocky Trevor Story. Uh-huh. Um, Trevor Story <laughs> so far, <laughs> no home runs, no stolen bases, a WRC plus of negative two. That's right. Mm-hmm. When league <laughs> averages one hundred and he's at negative two, that's not not really good. Um, my goodness, a uh, really bad start for him. Another guy, Javi Baez, uh, a 136 batting average, a 447 OPS, 
a strikeout percentage of 43.5%. And let me give you this little nugget right here. Um, so Javi Baez is batting a buck 36. Uh, and <laughs> all major league pitchers combined so far this season are batting 144. So all major league pitchers combined are hitting better than Javi Baez is so far this season. So of those two shortstops, are you guys staying cool? Are you panicking? Nick, I'll start with you this time. Uh, so I'll start with uh, Trevor's story. Um, I'm a big, big fan of him. I think he's got incredible talent. And I think he's just got too much talent to to panic on. Uh, it's early in the season. I mean, you saw with Yelich last year, he started off just completely dreadful. And, I mean, hopefully this doesn't extend as poorly as that. Um, I, I'm I'm staying cool on story. I think he'll he'll bring it back. I am slight panic on bias. I'm not full panic. It's still too early, but just that 43.5% K rate is just too high. Um, and that is true. <laughs> <laughs> and the Cubs as a whole, I forget the the team batting average, but it's just not great. And they're they're really going to need him to step up if they're going to compete in this in the NL Central. So slight panic, not full, but it's teetering. Yeah. All right, Jesse. Um, I'll keep my cool for both of them uh, for now, just because like, if this was some, if it was just a random week in June where Javi was, had a, like a bad week and struck out almost 50% of the time, no, no one would even blink. They'd just be like, Oh yeah, Javi does that from time to time. <laughs> and the only reason I'd pan- like panic a little is because he was really bad last year. Um, but I mean, he was two for three with a homer today. So I'm not panicking yet. Uh, just a bad start. And then with Trevor's story, the only person who is probably panicking about him is Trevor's story because he's like, I got to get paid at the end of the season. I got to start picking it up. <laughs> so I'm not, in, gen- in general, I'm not too nervous about either of them uh, being productive this year. Ryan? eight game samples or whatever it is are really (laughs) small. So I'm not going to change my opinion on either of these guys at this point. I don't know if I even really have a ton to add on either one. I feel like for me to get really worried about a guy this early into the season, I have to see something that's very different than it's been in the past. So like a pitcher that's lost a lot of velocity or a hitter that's all of a sudden running a lot slower or looks like they're limping or the exit below on their swings are way down or something like that, where it's very clear that something's wrong. But in terms of just having a bad week, like Jesse said, that happens all the time. That's just how baseball works really. Right. And both of, and April, both of these April guys are overreaction month for everybody. Oh, definitely yeah. impossible to avoid it. And yeah. both of both story and bias are very boomer bust players. Like, They'll Especially they'll strike out. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll go over four with four strikeouts one day and then hit three home runs the next day. It's just the nature of how both of them work. So interesting. All right. Well, uh, I'm staying cool on story, but I'm panicking definitely on Baez. And uh, even uh, coming into this season, I was just not really optimistic on him doing well. I think I was the only one who said when we were playing over under last week yeah. that he would have an OPS below 800. 
Um, and, uh, and, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> cool. Um, one team we're going to talk about, the Oakland A's. They were 0-6 up until they finally pulled off a win yesterday. Now it's another 1-6, um, and especially in that division that's super highly competitive, they cannot afford to go on losing streaks like this moving forward. Um, Jesse, I'll start with you this time. Are you staying cool or panicking on the Oakland A's? Uh, just a quick fun fact about the A's. They came into the season, Fangraphs had them at a 33% chance of making the playoffs. And six games into the season, it dropped down to 8.5% chance of making the playoffs. Wow. wow. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> so, and uh, I, th- I, like, I think uh, some of their injuries and like uh, losing their – new expensive closer played like a part in that but um yeah i i'm not feeling too hot if i'm the a's um losing six games in a row most teams do that at some point in the season teams not named the dodgers but uh i it's like that on top of injuries they lost puck as well Uh, it's not looking good i'm probably sweating looking at that panic button with my hand right over it right now (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't help that they're losing two nothing right now to the Astros in the fifth. Um, man, that yeah. imagine being one and seven to start. It, Brandon, weren't they one of your playoff teams too? They were, they were. Um, which is why I'm not panicking yet. <laughs> Got to yeah. stick by my cat. I'll, I'll yeah. stay. I'll stay well, cool <laughs> for now. We'll we'll uh, check back in on me in uh, in a couple weeks. Because right, well, uh, what's the, the thing? Like you can't win a division in April, but you can lose it. <laughs> on their way but um i think just with how competitive the american league is with no expanded playoffs with how many teams are competing for those wild card spots it doesn't seem like six games make a difference but if you think about going into a season starting zero and six and even if you go 500 the rest of the season you're six you're starting six games behind everybody else trying to catch up and even one or two games can make the difference in making the playoffs and if the a's were projected to be what an 86 87 win team then mm-hmm. starting 0 and 6 pushes you down to 500 and that would make sense that a 500 team would only have eight uh, percent chance or whatever to make the playoffs if they exceed expectations the rest of the season yeah yeah exactly um so obviously you know still really really early to to, to call anything but definitely not a promising start um, as you as you mentioned, in such a competitive division, you really cannot afford to go on on streaks like this, especially early on. That's got to just be uh, crushing for morale. Um, luckily, well, it's just rough too because their schedule was the Astros, then the Dodgers, <laughs> then the Astros. Exactly, exactly. You could yeah. you could not ask for a harder schedule to start. Maybe throw the Yankees in there after this, and then you'd have just all the juggernauts. So I guess right. that's the one thing too is that they're getting some of these hard games out of the way early. And maybe they can go on a run when they start playing Seattle and Texas and some of the basement teams. Yeah, the, the up, upcoming they have after they're done with the Astros, or should, should I say after the Astros are done with them, uh, they got the Diamondbacks, the Tigers, the Twins, the Orioles, uh, in, in, to wrap up the okay. month. So That's a yeah, pretty, so. <laughs> pretty easy stretch there. So that's Hopefully, good. yeah. They need it. Uh, please. Um, cool. So we'll do the segments. Uh, we'll try to do it weekly if we can. Uh, touch on a few hitters, players, and some teams that seem to be uh, struggling. And then starting next week, I'm going to include a segment to, uh, to, tar- uh, to talk about players that are doing well or teams that are doing well. Um, 
But let's move on to who's winning the war. Um, once again, early season. But can you guys guess which hitters and pitchers are on top of the war leaderboards according to fan graphs? Oh, these are always fun. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to um, guess. So let's go with the top hitters. And there's two guys with 0.7 war so far. Trout? No. He, Trout's close. He has 0.6. Hmm. Um, Nick Castellanos. Yeah. Castellanos is one of them. Nice. And there's one more who would kind of surprise you. I didn't think he'd be doing so well. Uh, oh, I think. Nope. I think After I today, maybe because he homered again. I think I know who it is strictly because I know how many fantasy points he has. Uh, uh, Tyler Naquin. No, close. No? Ooh. Nope. I thought I, this... I thought it was like. That is a good guess, too. We, we touched on this guy earlier in the show. Unfortunately, he got hurt. Oh, Tim uh, Anderson. I'm no. kidding. I'm kidding. Ketel Marte. Ketel Marte. Really? Oh, yeah, he, yep. wow. he is off to fat. Yeah, Castellanos it's and Marte a, both have 0.7 war as of uh, the 7th, as of yesterday. Is some, the 7th. Is, is some of that defense and base running already for Marte? Sometimes that just like... It's got to be, yeah. Messes with it a little yeah. bit, but interesting. Yeah. It helps that he uh, um, he played in Coors uh, this past week. So true. <laughs> um, and uh, there are four guys who have negative point four WAR. Um, I'll I'll just give them to you guys. It might take too long to guess. Uh, Keston Hira, Elvis Andrews, um, Escobar. I forget which which Escobar it was. If it was Alcides, so, no, he's he's not in the league anymore. Um, Eduardo Escobar, and then Rowdy Tellez. I'll have negative point four WAR. Um, for pitchers, there are three guys with 0.6 war. Garrett Cole. So after, after today, it'll be Corbin Burns. but Probably, yeah. Or, or Lance Lynn. Did you see Lance Lynn's line today? Yeah, he, he was really good today. Uh, but Garrett Cole is one of them. Nice. Garrett Cole. Two more. Um, one other guy who's been on an absolute fire this year, and then the other one... Um, He's supposed to get top, a top leaderboards, but it might be weird to see him here right now. Barrios? Mm, close. He was. T- I think Barrios was today also. He might have hit. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, that's true. Who's gone? So wouldn't have updated. Twi- who's, who's, who's had two good that's what I'm, I'm trying so to think of who's year. had two good stars, because DeGrom only started once also. Uh, Granky started twice, but I don't think his second one was good enough. Nope. Um, <laughs> I'm blind. Bieber, he had a ton of strikeouts. Uh, no. One guy is in the AL East. The other one is in the NL West. Kevin uh, Gaussman? Nope. Could it be? AL, AL East. And it's not Garrett Cole, so. Nope. Same rotation as Bauer, though. Bueller? Nope. Oh, uh, Gloria? Curious. No. What? Really? Kershaw? Matter. Kershaw. Wait, Kershaw? What? Yeah. Really? <laughs> Kershaw, Garrett Cole, and one more guy in, who's on, uh, in the AL East. I feel, like, I feel like Fangraphs just gave him an extra, like, point two more <laughs> because he's Clayton Kershaw. <laughs> um, he probably had some, like, bad BABIP Lopica or something his first game or, or something weird went on where his FIP was still good. Yeah. AL East, though, is it like Ryu? Nope. Glass now? Glass now. 
Glasnow, nice. Interesting. Yeah, Glasnow, Cole, oh, yeah, and Kershaw. And then Chris Davinsky is the worst pitcher in baseball at negative point four war to start the season. Uh, so, gotta love Brad, these early well, season numbers. I'm sure Brad Keller is giving him a run for his money after today. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're moving on to the last segment that we have, and we'll try to do this one weekly as well. It's called Attaboy, uh, where we're going to be picking a player to each of us to show some love to. Uh, these guys might be um, some guys who don't exactly make headlines, but we'd love to recognize their contributions in the past week on our show. Um, so I'll, I'll get it started here. I have two guys that I want to call out here. Uh, Yermin Mercedes of the Chicago White Sox started his season off with an eight, uh, eight straight hits and then has not let off the gas pedal, hit another absolute bomb today. Um, and he's actually, with that home run, he actually might take over the Major League lead in war, by the way. Um, but just super cool to see that this, this guy was in the, in the minors for almost a decade. Like he was, he was in the minors for a long, long time. Uh, finally up in the big leagues, 28 years old and making a big difference there. So shout out to him. And then another guy who I want to give a shout out to is Akil Badu, uh, of the Detroit Tigers, uh, hit his first home run on the first pitch he saw on opening day. And then uh, has done nothing else but mash ever since. Uh, he was a Rule 5 draft pick uh, taken from the Minnesota Twins to the Tigers. And, of course, he had that big uh, series against the team that initially drafted him, the Minnesota I didn't realize Twins. He was, I didn't realize he was a Rule 5 guy. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's interesting. Yep. Yeah. He's a Rule 5 guy, and I think I heard something yesterday. Um, I don't remember if this is exactly true, but I don't think he's ever played a game in – uh, double or triple A, he was just snagged from mm-hmm. single A, and now he's in, went straight to the majors and he's raking. So good yep. for him. That's a, yeah, that's exactly. awesome. Yeah, in twenty nineteen he was in high A, um, and now he's in the majors. Uh, so yeah, so what was it? The first game was a home run on his first on the first pitch he saw, and then he hit a grand slam, and then a walk off. Uh, I think in consecutive games against Minnesota, which was un- absolutely unbelievable. Um, I would love for either Mercedes or for, uh, for Badu to stay, you know, in the rookie of the year talk throughout the whole year. Um, but uh, I, I guess we'll see what happens with those two guys. But those are the guys that I want to give some, show some love to. Um, Jesse, who you got? Um, I'm going to go with uh, someone who took my uh, supernatural beard powers and transferred it to his head of hair. He has now beautiful golden locks. Shutting it down for the Cubs, Craig Kimbrell. Uh, he's finally being the closer that the Cubs have been paying him to be. He's been so bad up until now, but I mean, he's been lights out every time he's been on the mound so far this year. And it, I love to see it. And it's something that the Cubs desperately needed with uh, not much else helping them too much. Their bullpen hasn't been horrible, but like having a, having Kimbrel be elite is, going to be a huge factor if the Cubs are going to actually contend this year. So shouts out to him for being off to a really good start. Yeah. Yeah. He's and beautiful been, hair. Yeah. He it. was definitely a big wild card for the Cubs this season. And who knows if the Cubs for some reason aren't competing by the deadline, then they could really flip him for some good, uh, uh for a nice return. Uh, Nick, yeah. who you got for Attaboy? Uh, for Attaboy, I have two boys. Um, the first is a hitter on the Reds, uh, Mr. Jonathan India. 
He's a rookie. He's, uh, he's had some hype coming up through their system, uh, but he has started off this season with a uh, seven-game hit streak, and he is currently batting 476 with a 619 slugging percentage. So I just wanted to give him a shout-out. You love to see the rookies do well, um, Mr. Badu and Mr. Mercedes as well. Um, and then my second guy is a pitcher, um, and he's not—he's not a dominant pitcher. But I just—I'm—I'm uh, I'm kind of astounded as to how he's doing so well. Uh, Mr. Kevin Gaussman um, pitched six and two-thirds innings against Seattle of one-run ball, and then went ahead and upped it against the Padres. Seven innings pitched of of one-run ball and. You know, it's pretty two pretty impressive starts back to back. So we'll see if he can hold it up. And but just want to give him a shout out, exceeding my expectations. Yeah, love it, Ryan. Yeah, good call by you guys. Real quick on Kimbrel too. He was another guy who I was thinking of, who is one of those guys who strikes everybody out, but when he does let up contact, it goes really, really far. But as long yeah. as he's limiting that, he's. Like he's as good of a bet as anybody to be dominant because of how nasty his stuff is. So it's good to see him doing well. Um, I was going to go with Corbin Burns for my guy, but I feel like that's just too obvious because of how good he's been and whatever. And we kind of already touched on him before. So I'm going to go with someone a little more under the radar that I was happy about this week. And that was Steven Matz with the Toronto Blue Jays. The Mets essentially just gave him away because he had been a disappointment. Um, he also had a lot of hype coming up, but it had been a few frustrating years. Seemed to get injured every year or every other year, and then would put together a few good starts and then a few bad starts, and then we would get injured again. And just very in- inconsistent. But overall, still was thought of pretty highly for a while within the Mets organization. It seemed like because they held on to him. But now, with only one year of control, they decided it was time to move on and. Toronto jumped at the chance to grab him, and in his first start, he had six and a third innings. I think he only let up two or three base runners, struck out nine, um, really dominated the Rangers. Not that the Rangers have a great lineup, but they've actually had some decent offensive games in the first week of the season. So um, obviously only one start, but I was glad to see him do well. Um, I had picked him up for fantasy, but also just for his sake, I'm glad that he um, was getting on the right track. Yeah. Awesome. Love all those picks. Um, God, Nick, I, I know right now you're watching the Angels game. It looks like Trout's up first and second, two out. Man, the Angels are a fun team to watch. I, I'm, that's what I'm going to be doing this weekend. We need, I'm going to be watching the Angels this weekend. Like, I'm jumping on that train now. They're such a fun team. We need the Angels to be in contention late in the season. With yeah. Otani yeah, pitching and hitting, do. with Trout being dominant, with Rendon being really good, it just it would be a, it would be a fun team. Yeah, exactly. Like Otani's start on uh, mm-hmm. on Sunday, it was on. I, I was after he got through that first inning. I'm like, okay, we're good. Like I, I was just so. I, I remember I had, the night before, I had a nightmare that he just absolutely <laughs> got blown up on his first start back, and we're like, oh my goodness, here we go again. Um, but luckily, he was able to put together a really good start before having that little freak um, accident at the end there. But he should be good. Um, to, to pitch again on, on, on Sunday. But my goodness, the fact that he hit us a, a moonshot and then ended up throwing um, uh, pretty deep into the ball game was a, a really good sight, sight to see. 
electrifying electrifying no i I definitely with i think without a doubt uh games where otani's pitching and hitting is the most must watch baseball that there is right now like you gotta watch that game every single time it happens yeah because even during his rookie season when he would pitch he wasn't hitting so this is the first time that he's actually doing both in the same game and it's working so far pretty legit it's pretty rare that you see the pretty rare that you see the guy on the mound also in the two hole We've yeah. seen a little bit of eight hole, and that's about it. I think I remember maybe a pitcher hitting seventh at one point, like Micah Owings maybe did, or like there's a couple of pitchers. Zach Granke's also a pretty good hitter. Like there's some guys who are decent. Madison like, Bumgarner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but Bumgarner's he a good. He's a good hitter for a pitcher. He wouldn't actually be a good major league hitter. Granke's probably the best hitting pitcher outside of Otani, and even he would not be one of the best. I guess something just happened in the Angels oh, game. Oh, Trout just for got Nick to go crazy. Grichuk oh, just, just had a great diving catch. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Jeez, I wish I, I could get credit for defense. Bottom of the ninth. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Sorry, Nick. That's all right. Oh well. That that brought uh, Trout's OBP down to five sixty or something like that. Trout. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot the Blue Jays are playing in um, Florida to start the season. Oh, yeah. It looks so similar to Buffalo. I think guess it's just because it it's a minor league park, and they yeah, just exactly. all look like <laughs> exactly. garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I was cool, guys. About, wait, real quick before we head off, I just wanted to say something about Trout. I'm going to do a second attaboy for Trout just because he is so unbelievable, and I don't care if everybody talks about him too much because it is just unbelievable. He in some ways to me is like the LeBron of baseball, just in the fact that you can depend on him being the best player every single year. And it's just so rare to see somebody be that dominant for that period of time and just consistently do it every single year. And maybe there's one or two minor injuries over a decade where they miss half a season, but otherwise they're out there every single game, every single, yeah, pretty much every single game. And then every single year leading the league in war and just, or when LeBron's case, winning MVPs or whatever the NBA equivalent is for that. And just, it's incredible. It's incredible to see. Like we just almost take it for granted that Trout's going to put up another nine win season. Like it's just a given and it's not a given because other guys fall off and we've seen it before where guys are dominant and they fall off. Yelich is it a great example? Two years ago was the best player in the league. And then now is still really good, but he's not nearly as good as he was. And we take Trout for granted that he just does it every single year. It's amazing. So yeah, watch, the Angels watch Trout when you can because this is something ridiculous. Yeah, with that at yeah. bat right there, uh, that dropped his slash line down to 435, 581, 913. <laughs> Not That's too decent. bad. Not too bad. My goodness. Uh, he turns 30 this year. That's weird to think. That is. Wow. Uh, like another, th- another thing like with Trout is everyone's always been like, He's still so young, and now that narrative's kind of like now. Now he's full time prime Trout. He's not young Trout anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah exactly. at least he's not like on the back end yet. At least we're still in like the right in the middle of it all. It feels like. Yeah, we still okay. we still have at least three, probably four, five, six, like MVP caliber seasons left. Yeah, from Trout. So. Now they got to win. <laughs> they got to win. Oh, my gosh. Seriously, that's the, that, that's that the, needs that's to happen. One, 
that's the one that's the one thing that is just not the same with LeBron like LeBron is going to go to the championship every single year but that's just right. because that's how basketball works and yeah. it's a shame it's a shame that like Trout could be like even better than he is right now and the Angels still probably wouldn't have done any better than they have been mm-hmm. like over the past couple of years so yeah we have one more Team note. Before, one more note before we sign off. Um, Mike Trout is currently forty third all time in uh, in WAR for hitters. That is unbelievable. Forty third. It's crazy. He passed Johnny Bench already. Uh, he passed Jeter. He he passed Reggie Jackson. And if he has, let's say, he just has a seven win season this year. Okay, seven wins. That mm-hmm. means he'll pass Ken Griffey Jr. by the wow. by, in, in about a month. He'll pass Brooks Robinson. He'll pass Pete Rose. Jeff Bagwell, mm-hmm. Roberto Clemente, and be knocking on the door with Joe DiMaggio, Adrian Beltre, and Chipper Jones. What on earth? It's crazy. Those are just ridiculous names. So, like, Pete Rose was around forever. 24 years, numbers. I think. Yeah, and really good, too, in putting up numbers. And, man, Beltre was around forever. Chipper Jones was around forever. That's unbelievable. And really yeah. good. Like, he might pass the – he's going to pass Griffey before he's even 30. Mm-hmm. DiMaggio, wow. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Yeah, Nick, it I, hope you're, I hope you like that we've been just showing all this Trout and Angels love and you've been kind of <laughs> sitting in the corner for the past five minutes. <laughs> so I, I mean, I, I could talk about them forever, <laughs> no, but yeah. I'll, I'll let you guys take the reins this time. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I appreciate it. Good stuff. I, I got nothing else to say about them. It's just really fun and the Angels mm-hmm. are fun this year. Yeah. Mike Trout is good. Yeah. Fishman good. Cool. Fun first week of the season. Much more to come. It's great to know that we have 162 games this year, um, and we're only about seven or eight games through so far, so a lot oh. of season to go. Oh, I yeah. can't wait. A lot of season left. Yeah. A lot of season left. Good stuff. It's, it's been good so far. It's been a very entertaining season so far. I like, I, I've noticed I've, I've been watching a lot more this year so far, at least, than I've watched like past couple of years, honestly. Like, after first two days I sometimes don't watch a game for a day or two or something but I've watched every single day so far and I'm loving it yeah it's great been stuff. a good start it's great to have it back and also great to have the fans back in the ballpark um yeah. even though it's not a full, full capacity yet unless you're um the Texas Rangers and on opening day you had 38,000 people um <laughs> good, yeah. good lord who, uh, who goes to watch the Rangers that's what I don't understand but yeah yeah thankfully they're they're scaling back um capacity after the after uh, opening day so now it's like what it's probably like 50 percent capacity or something like that something stupid oh it's good Um, that COVID doesn't really care about opening day yeah right yeah yeah. COVID gave us a break for that day that's how it works science oh lord all right cool well for Nick for Ryan and Jesse I'm Fernando we'll talk to you guys next week have a good one Peace.